Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Building Faith Podcast. We're delighted that you've tuned in, and we're very thankful for the feedback we've received so far on some of the recent episodes we've done on the providence of God. As you may know, if you've listened to the last episode when we were together, uh, Pastor Shane and I began a discussion on the providence of God as it relates to prayer, this intersection between God's sovereign work in his world for all time and the call for us to pray, for us to appeal to him, to work and to act. And it was a great discussion, so I I would encourage you to check that out if you haven't already. But today we're going to move forward in uh, this new series on prayer and get into some details about this call to prayer and what it does to bring us to a point of transcendent fellowship with a transcendent God. So settle in and enjoy this next episode of the Building Faith Podcast. All right, Shane, so time for another uh, another podcast here. And uh, last time we were together, we um, we basically had a bit of a transition podcast. At least that's the way I've described it, because we have been talking about the providence of God, and then this past time we kind of merged providence and prayer in a way to kind of introduce where you want to take us. So I'm curious as to why you're interested now in sort of moving in this direction, taking us from providence into a full sort of series on prayer. What's on your mind with that? Well, I think that's the practical world where we live. Um, you know, we, uh, we can become sort of, if we're not careful, we can be- become fatalist or default deist or all those other things, and we're no longer thinking biblically about God, because the doctrine of providence is not intended to foster passivity in us. Mm. And so that's kind of where, uh, where my heart is, is we, we want to cultivate the right view of God, but the right view of God is actually a God who pleads with us to participate together with him in his providence. And we do that by, by prayer, uh, among other things. And, and it's vital. I mean, it, we that we understand uh, that I, we were talking last time about you know the reasons for prayer in light of providence being you know the accountability. You know, you you're forced to kind of take the desires that are on your heart before the Lord, and in some ways, you know, have them put on the spotlight of His holiness. Or you know, one of the benefits is just gratefulness when God answers prayer, thankfulness, exaltation. You know, in your heart, humility, love for God. All those things that are stirred in your heart, but you know, we, we started by talking about participation, that God invites us in what he's doing to partner together with him in prayer. Uh, I think we mentioned it last time, much like evangelism. God tells us very clearly that he's chosen before the foundations of the world those that he would call to himself, and yet he pleads with us to bring uh, the good news of the gospel with uh, glad tidings uh, on our lips. And so it's really a burden for, for me that we would kind of bring those two things together, the, the responsibility that we have in whatever endeavor that we participate in with the correct view of God so that we're not um, too exalted in thinking that we are really accomplishing anything independent of ourselves. And at the same time, we're not bringing God down you know, to any kind of lower level. 
And so that's kind of where where my heart is. But it touches on something that, uh, you know, it is in some ways, it's kind of woven into the fabric of everyday Christian living, I think, prayer. I think every Christian and many non-Christians contemplate prayer. They think about it. They talk about it. They even pray a little bit. And yet very few of us would think that we pray well. Mm-hmm. And so touching on this, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's in some ways a challenging subject because all of us are convicted when we think about it, but it's, it's so important, uh, especially for us. You know, we're, we're, we're doing uh, all these things as a church, and, and I'm, I'm really burdened that we understand that prayer is not a, um, it, it's not a futile or empty exercise. Yeah. I mean, God is doing something, but he, he wants us to participate in what he's doing, and he answers in direct response to, to our participation. So all those things are kind of flowing through my mind and you know, have me uh, you know, contemplating these things, I guess. Yeah, I think I remember you mentioning the perfunctory nature of our prayers mm-hmm. and all these things. If our, if our thinking is not really informed biblically, uh, we, can, we can slide into something that's not going to be fruitful it's not going to be honoring to the lord so okay well good i'm yeah. ready. i'm ready to go well you know you know part of that whole um i guess framework is you talk about the slide into the perfunctory prayers but i mean we can even slide into uh, perfunctory everything in yeah. our christian life i mean we're going through life no longer experiencing the stability the peace the radiant joy the confidence, uh, you know, all that stuff that God intends for us to have because um, at the very core, we have, we have developed a deficient prayer life. Hmm. And really, it does. So much of it does radiate out of that. We don't experience the joy of seeing God do all the things that he longs to do in our life, we don't see the joy, experience the joy of seeing God do many wonderful things in our life because we don't participate in prayer. You know, oh, what peace we often forfeit, you know, um, needless pains we bear because we uh, refuse to carry them to God in prayer, as the song says. So what I want to kind of talk about then really today is this idea of perseverance in prayer, of of really pushing ourselves to maintaining a right view of God, but pushing ourselves to understand that the kind of prayer that's going to be used by God, and the kind of prayer that really we need as a church and as people of God, takes a tremendous amount of discipline. Mm. It just does. We're not, um, we're not of the mindset that our efforts are in any way um, meriting God's favor. And so sometimes knowing that those efforts are not uh, themselves the grounds of what uh, moves God's heart in terms of the merits, we can draw back and think that therefore we don't need to really put that much effort into it or whatever it might be, but that's just not the case. I mean, we, God still uses prayer. And uh, we'll have some verses. I wanted to read them to you in, in, in a little bit, but just really kind of laying this down to understand that prayer takes a tremendous amount of discipline to free our minds from 
all of our worldly cares and all of the thoughts that lead us away from contemplation of God in prayer the way we need to. So, so this is kind of where I wanted to start. This is such an important principle, is that transcendence follows intimacy. Transcendence follows intimacy. I think that's true in a lot of ways, um, but it's certainly true in prayer. Uh, you know, that's true in uh, certainly when, in preaching. You know, I think the more that you can tap into what's going on in your own heart and mind and life, the more that, you know, you're able to uh, take that before the Scripture and, and, and have it um, sort of laid bare and, and, and sermons and preaching and all those other things become so much more relevant and applicable. Well, in prayer, it's true as well. Uh, you know, even in marriage, uh, I, I've been doing some some study for a marriage seminar we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks, and just kind of dealing with that. That you, if you want to experience sort of the transcendence of love in your relationship with your wife or your husband, you're never going to get there if you don't ever have deep intimacy and in conversation and and sharing one another's life and mm. heart. You just can't have it. I mean, you just yeah. can't. You know, you kind of default into being a roommate. Right. Uh, with the person that you say you love. Well, the same is true in prayer. We cannot have transcendent, uh, you know, experiences or transcendent prayer times with the Lord if we're not willing to dig down to the level of intimacy, which means that we, we have got to ponder, really ponder the depths of our own weakness, our sin, our need, our fears. Whatever it might be, we've got to take the time to do that. Man, I just think about that, and of course, I, I, I'm, t- it's, I'm totally tracking with you. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, the marriage example. You, you just apply it, like you said, to so many areas of life, and in particular, areas of spiritual life, of sanctification, of, of deepening fellowship and communion with God. I mean, all these things. I even think about. Um, our experience in in um, in in scripture and in our our interaction with the truth, how pressing in into the deep things of God and His Word is what elevates your absolutely your experience of the mag- majesty of who God is and His character as you know Him more intimately from His truth. So it just applies on so many fronts. And then I think about how many things both inside of us and outside of us want to completely pull us away from our ability to get there. Especially in today's society, yeah, right? it's just amazing. I mean, uh, we, I think just naturally, we as, as human beings don't get there easily, but in, in the distracted yeah. world that we live in today, where people are struggling to even keep their eyes on the road. Oh, yeah. While they're driving, that's they're a whole that's so a whole other subject. That's another po- that's another <laughs> podcast. I but we were just kind of whisked along throughout our day from one media presentation to another, with very little challenge along the way to stop anywhere and to ponder anything deeply, hmm. you know, or 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 whatever for very much time. So the kind of depth and thought and contemplation that really ultimately taps into an intimacy with God and therefore 
allows us to ascend to the heights of God in prayer, you know, you can't just turn that on and off like a light switch. It just doesn't happen that way. It takes time to till the soil of your heart so that you reach the depths underneath. And, and particularly if you've not plowed that area in a while, it's often a little harder and a little more difficult to penetrate. And so it requires time and patience to cultivate that kind of intimacy. But this is what, this is what prayer is all about. And you hear it over and over again throughout the Psalms. Psalm 42, my soul thirst for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? My tears have been my food night and day. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul to the Lord. Mm. I mean, that language is so rich. Pouring out your soul. And that, 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 that's uh, describing a, a man who has tapped into the very depths of his soul to begin with. Can't pour it out unless you've tapped into it. He goes on in Psalm 62, uh, another psalm, For God alone, my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I will not be shaken. On God rest my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge to us. Hmm. So you got this language of pouring out your heart, uh, you know, pouring out your soul, pouring out those, those deep inner sort of pains and fears and insecurities or whatever they might be. And the psalmist even says, you know, wait for God in silence. I don't know if we do anything in silence yeah. these days. Mm. It's the, a lost art. The noise around us. I, I was... I didn't really know exactly what direction you were going to take us today, but I thought I'd at least try to get my mind moving in the direction of thinking about prayer. And so I picked up uh, off my shelf The Godly Man's Picture by Thomas Watson, and there's a section in this book about the godly man is a praying man. And just thinking about what you're talking about right now, uh, one of the statements that he makes is about fervent prayer. He says, a spiritual prayer is a fervent prayer. And then he quotes from James, the, the effectual fervent prayer availeth much from James chapter 5. But then he says, he says this, The heart, like the main spring, should carry the affections in a most zealous and rapid manner. Fervency is the wing of prayer by which it ascends to heaven. You know, he again is talking about, I think, tapping into some sort of self-awareness when he talks about your heart mm-hmm. being the thing that, that creates that current of that flow. Um, we're, just not in a, we're just not in a society that, that encourages that kind of deep thought, uh, unfortunately. You know, Calvin says, you know, we have to, this is what he says, quote, we have to rid ourselves of all alien and outside cares by which the mind, itself a wanderer, is born hither and thither, drawn away from heaven, and pressed back down to the earth. I mean, how many of us have experienced that in prayer? We, we go 
try to go to God, and before we can even sort of dig at all under the service, we're immediately thinking of the laundry, right? Or we're thinking of the you know the oil leak in our car, or we're thinking about the email we need to write, and and we just can we just do not press through those sort of superficial things. They're not saying that none of them are important, but they're not the depth that we're talking about. Calvin goes on, he says, in this manner, the harder we find concentration to be, the more strenuously we ought to labor after it. For no one is so intent on praying that he does not feel many irrelevant thoughts stealing upon him, which either break the course of prayer or delay it by some winding path. Again, that's just our experience. I mean, there are people who try to pray and they just feel like it's broken. You know, I started that direction and my path got broken off or it just took me so long to sort of dig down to that level of intimacy. Well, listen, if a man 500 years ago right, that's is thinking. writing that. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, you know, he doesn't have his phone going off no. in front of him all the time and, uh, you're in a, you know, people beckoning him to go to the t-ball game. Uh, and he's having trouble for concentrating. How much more? Yeah. How right. much more for us? But it also it also conf- uh, affirms the 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 point that you know we don't need anything outside of us necessarily to struggle. And really, the remedy is the mm-hmm. same as well. Yeah, it's the same. It's a good point. It, it, we can blame it on the outside things, right? But it really is our own heart. Mm-hmm. It's just revealing who we we really are. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, when we understand all these things, we, we, we want to maintain a high view of God. We want to understand he's in control, but we don't want that to be an excuse not to participate in what he's doing because he calls us again and again and again to, to, to prayer. And if we could just grasp how eager God is to work through our prayers, it would transform our life. I mean. He, he he wants to work, but he's so eager to work through our prayers. I've, I found this verse um, doing some reading this week, Isaiah 65, 24, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. It made me think about a time I was trying to surprise um, somebody, and uh, I'd bought a gift, one of my kids, and I was kind of going to play this little game where I was I was going to pretend a little bit like, you know, it was just normal day. I wasn't really thinking about, you know, the special occasion. And uh, I had the gift to kind of just, just right around the corner, ready to pop it out at any moment. But I wanted to actually hear them ask about it. And I was so, I mean, my mind was just consumed with this gift. I was thinking about it, but I was trying to pretend like, you know, I, Maybe I'd forgotten or something like that, but but I was waiting for them to ask, and I was I had it all prepared. I was, I was going to say, well, I was just waiting for you to say something. It was a foregone conclusion. Oh yeah, and I, yet I was so eager. Yeah, and I was so surprised that my child never <laughs> mentioned. I mean, it was I'm like looking around, but it made me think about God. I mean, this is what He's saying: before you call, I'll I mean, I've already got the gift. I've already got the answer, and while you're still speaking, you know, this reminds me of the wonderful prayer in Daniel 9, where uh, Daniel's praying, and uh, 
Michael the Arch, uh, Michael, no, Gabriel comes. Uh, he's helped with Michael by Michael the Archangel. He comes and delivers the prayer, and he says to Daniel, "When you started to pray, immediately I was dispatched." And then later on, he he actually uh, says in chapter ten that it had been twenty-one days since Daniel started to ask for whatever he was asking for, and immediate. Now Daniel didn't hear from Gabriel until 21 days later. But it's just such a beautiful picture about how when we start to pray, God goes into action, mm. even if we don't realize all of the intricacies of how he's providentially bringing about whatever we're doing. Right. You know, we're praying for, and you know, we could be praying for someone's salvation, and, and uh, we've been pleading all along, and, and we don't know that, you know, some person in Kansas is having to share the gospel with their neighbor who's going to go off to school in Massachusetts, who's going to, you know, uh, you know, share the gospel with them, and then they're going to move down to Atlanta and get a job next to our friend. I mean, we don't know how God's working all that stuff out, right. but he's working it out in his providence, and, and he's telling us that we get to participate together with him. So, so, so this is what we've got to embrace, and, and when we understand that eagerness of God to work through our prayers, it, it will really transform, I think, the way that we approach even this struggle, you know, to, to say it, set aside the, the distractions and to press through with God. Now, to do that, uh, you just have to make that time important. I mean, it's like, uh, well, like with anything, if you don't schedule the time, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, relationships are just not going to happen. You're not going to lose the relationship with God because of the grace of Christ, but it's never going to have the kind of intimacy, you know, that you want it to have. We, I think, especially those of us who have a little bit older kids and life gets busy and you begin to realize that you just have to put it on the calendar. Yeah, you do. I want to, I want to spend time with my son. I want to spend time with my daughter. Um, and yet, I feel this sort of distance growing until I set them down and say, you know, Sunday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon, I'm going to come and I'm going to have time with you and we're going to talk. And um, for, I know for me, if I don't put it on the calendar, it just doesn't happen. That's right. It doesn't happen. Same with my wife. I mean, I have to, I have to kind of think through, I've got some things that happen here and there in the evening, but I, I've also got to think, well, you know, on this evening, Tuesday evening or Thursday evening or Friday evening, those are the times that I'm blocking off everything so that we can be together. If you don't do that, the relationship is going to suffer. It's going to deteriorate. So how many of us just kind of block off time in our calendar to say, no, that hour is for God. I'm not going to schedule anything during that time. That's the time I've set aside for him. We do it for all kinds of other meetings, uh, but we sometimes treat God with less you know, importance in our day. So we have to, we have to do that. We have to uh, prioritize it and then develop. It has to be enough time where we can develop that kind of intimacy, meaning that we reach the depths of our soul, our heart, we pour it out to God. And we just understand that that's not going to, it's not going to happen in a few minutes in kind of the perfunctory prayers. Yeah. I think about this in, in, in terms of the sort of the example of, um, physical discipline so if you you know if you've gotten really out of shape like 
I'm I'm in touch with that personally. <laughs> you get out <laughs> exemplify. of exemplify. Sh- we're we're both exemplifying. Yes, I well, I I wasn't going to say anything about you, yeah, but since you brought it up, <laughs> but no, I mean, you if you get physically out of shape, I mean, what it what it takes to get back into shape, it it's it's almost like it's extra. You have to stay in it and and um, sort of overcome the the um the weakness and sort of the atrophy that's ensued. So the, the discipline required is, is even amplified, but then you get into shape and you're able to persevere longer and further and more yeah. and experience all the benefits of that, of that exercise. And I, I just think how easy it is for us to either feel like that the task before us is too daunting to even engage in, or we take steps forward and seeking to, I mean, we hear a podcast like this and we get a little bit of motivation and then we're discouraged once again because of the distractions or because the discipline is just not developing quickly or whatever it might be. Well, you know, we, there is no silver bullet. That's right. And, uh, and we just have to, to emphasize that we cannot approach God with the same superficiality that we approach, you know, so many other things. Or, or for that matter, you know, the way, same superficiality we might approach other people religiously. Because we can sort of learn the cliches and talk the talk and give the appearance that things are going well spiritually when they're really not. Mm-hmm. But we can't do that with God. You know, he doesn't play that game. Um, he understands when there's no intimacy. I mean, he understands when you're not really uh, approaching him with genuineness. Psalm 145, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Mm. I mean, he emphasizes that it can't just be the sort of the perfunctory prayers. You know, again, back to Calvin, which I've, I've quoted a lot. I mean, Calvin's institutes uh, in book three, uh, his section on prayer there is one of the uh, sort of classic studies of this subject that's ever been written. It's amazing, 500 years later, how, how penetrating it still is. Uh, Calvin says, many intonate prayers after a set form as if discharging a duty. And although they admit it, admit it to be a necessary remedy for their ills, because it would be fatal to lack the help of God, which they are beseeching, still, it appears that they just perform this duty from habit because their hearts have become cold, and they do not take time to ponder what they ask. Mm. That's the bottom line. I mean, we, we don't want to think deeply. We don't want to ponder, and so we don't really stop and, and ask that. And yet, at the heart of the teaching of prayer in the Scripture is that we have to ask things according to the will of God, or we have to ask things in God's name, which basically means that we have to ask things that are worthy of Him, that are for His name's sake, for the sake of what pleases him, for the sake of what honors him, to ask things in God's name. That's really what that's talking about. And when we ask for those things, we, we can actually pray with tremendous boldness and confidence uh, because we know that he answers us. But all that assumes that you've actually taken the time to contemplate whether God would be pleased with what you're asking. I mean, I remember going through a period of time in my life where I was actually more hesitant to pray because the things I was 
wanting to pray about, I wasn't sure if God really wanted. So I, I was kind of sheepish. I mean, I wasn't really asking God, or if I asked him, I wasn't really sure how to ask him. Because, And somebody just said something to me that was really helpful. They said, well, why do you waste time praying about those things? Pray about the things that you know God wants. Yeah. And I thought, that is really good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if God wants me to have that new, you know, red sports car, um, but I do know he wants me to be sanctified. Mm -hmm. I do know he wants, you know, the gospel to be proclaimed. I I do know that he wants Christians to dwell together in love. I mean, there are all kinds of things that I know God wants. And so I just got real busy praying for those things. And, you know, in time, the desires or whatever it was, I think I've just forgot about them, but I got all caught up in seeing God answer prayers, in seeing situations I was praying for, relationships I was praying for, you know, um, endeavors, mission, missions, uh, things I was praying for. I got so caught up in hearing how God was answering those prayers, uh, you know, it just invigorated my prayer life. So that's, that's what we, we've, we've got to take the time to, to take our heart before the Lord to reflect on our weaknesses, to reflect on our need, to reflect on our sin, to really think about the things that we are seeking and whether or not God would even want those things. And then, this kind of goes back to last week, we were talking about the accountability. You know, after you've kind of bathed your prayer in all of that kind of contemplation, you get to a place of intimacy hmm. that then brings you into the sort of transcendence that people really long for in prayer. So knowing that this is this kind of intimacy and transcendence that we long for uh, is common for us, um, what are some practical things we could take away? How, how do we get there, maybe, as a, as a way to ask it? Well, I want to follow up in our next podcast and, and get to some of those practical how-tos, just by going back to where the Lord took his disciples, when they asked him a similar kind of question, Lord, teach us to pray, he gave us a model prayer. And the Lord's prayer is there to give us a paradigm. So uh, when we come back next time, maybe we can take a few moments, just kind of look at that in detail, and even some examples in Scripture of exactly the way that sort of uh, uh, plays itself out in in various prayers of Scripture. Okay, that'll be great. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone, and uh, be sure you uh, share this with people that you think would benefit from it. We really want this to be a a service to the body of Christ, so thanks for tuning in, and uh, Shane, we'll look forward to our next time together. Looking forward to it.